You know, there's something powerful that happens when you see someone in life that has talent and they, they do whatever it takes. They continue to work really hard to see their talent come alive or, or to see their gifts and skills be used to the best of their ability. And it's especially powerful when you see people who went through really hard times but stayed committed to get there. You know, I was reading an article this week about Halle Berry. And I don't know if you knew this about Halle Berry, but she moved to Hollywood, moved to Los Angeles to pursue acting, and times were hard, so she lived in her car for a long time and then started to get opportunities. And look, she became Storm, you know, X-Men fans, right? Anybody? A couple? Like two? X-Men, right? Storm. And we actually named our daughter, well, we just like the name Halle, but, you know. How about Ed Sheeran? Anybody? Some of you guys might be big Ed Sheeran fans. Some of you might not know who he is. But Ed Sheeran, a talented musician, not, not the, the, the best-looking gentleman, um, but great golden voice, lived in a subway, you know, slept in a sleeping bag in a subway until he got his opportunities uh, to make music. And, and now he's gone on to write so many amazing songs by so many different artists. One, one of my personal heroes is Charles Spurgeon. You know, Spurgeon, uh, living in the 1800s, had to walk six, eight, ten miles in the dark, in the rain, in, in Britain, to go preach at little churches throughout the night, throughout you know, the different nights of the week. You know, but yet each of these people, they worked hard, they, they, they gave it their all, and they ended up finding a place to use their gifts, and they were really blessed by it. But yet, it seems like there's a lot of stories of people who had talent, but, but either something happened where it was taken from them too soon, or maybe they let it go to waste. You know, I think James Dean. I mean, come on, it's James Dean, right? And if you guys were living in the 50s and 60s, you guys wanted a black leather jacket so you could be like James Dean. He was the king of cool, but he died young in an automobile accident. He wasn't able to use his skills to, to, to the lengths that he could have. He was so talented. Or how many of you guys remember the name of Lynn Bias? Lynn Bias was drafted number two by the Boston Celtics out of University of Maryland in 1986. I mean, almost seven foot tall, silky smooth jumper, great athlete. Two days after being drafted, he died of a cocaine overdose and never actually got to play in the NBA. And it hurts us when we see people who have talent and they don't get to use it. Some of you know. Some of you maybe in your own life have seen that. Where there's people with talent, but they don't get to use it. And I wonder, when we think about our lives, and we look back over the narration of our lives and our stories, what would we say we did with our talent? You know, some of you might go, well, you know, I, I don't have talent. But you do. Sure, you may not have the athletic ability of a Lynn Bias. You may not have the silky smooth voice of an Ed Sheeran or, or the acting ability of a Halle Berry. But God has given each of you beautiful talents, skills, and abilities. You've been given so much, whether you realize it or not. And I wonder, if you look back into your story at this point, have you used them or have you wasted them? We began a new series last week called Parables. And uh, parables are short stories or comparisons that Jesus gives us in the Bible. And they are to give us a, really a look at the kingdom of God, a look at our own life, really an introspective look at how God made the universe to work. And today we're going to see in a parable in Matthew 25, a parable of the talents, where Jesus gives us this story, this comparison, and he is going to ultimately ask us the question, 
what are you doing with your life? And what are you doing with the gifts, skills, and abilities that God has given you? Ultimately, are you using them or are you wasting them? And I think this is a really important thing for us to talk about as the new year flips, as the calendar has turned. And uh, many of us have goals and uh, a vision board or plans that we want to accomplish in the new year. We say, 2023, this is going to be the year that I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And we've said before, a goal without a plan is just a wish, so it's good to have a plan. But ultimately, what are you going to do this year to use the gifts that God has given you? Because we all want to get better. That's why we hit the gym. That's why we try to eat better. That's why we post hashtag selfie, new year, new me, right? Some of you guys are guilty. I've already seen it. But the, the, the reality is, what are we going to do with what God has given us. So if you have your Bible, let's flip. Let's look at Matthew chapter 25. And I want us to ask this question. I want this to be really the running question today. When we look back at the end of our life, are we going to say, I wish I would have, I wish I should have, I wish I could have? Or are we going to say, I did. I was faithful with what God gave me. Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 25. We're, we're in a parable. Before we read, we're in a parable called the parable of the talents. There's a similar parable in the book of Luke, uh, the parable of the Minas, okay? Uh, but the parable of the talents come from a period of, ta- uh, of Jesus' ministry that we call the Olivet Discourse. Somebody say Olivet. Discourse. Okay, so this was given near the end of Jesus' ministry. He has uh, been working miracles. He's got quite the following. Jesus has uh, been declared the, the king. Uh, they've laid down palm branches as he went to Jerusalem. And now he's at the Mount of Olives with his disciples, And he's teaching them about the things to come. And he he makes this comment about the end times. Now, some of us love to talk about the end times. It's kind of a fun topic. So the disciples, they lean in. Okay, the end times. Jesus tells us more. And so he he talks about what's going to happen. And then he gives three parables, three stories about what's going to happen at the end times. The first one is a parable about 10 virgins, and it's about not missing the party. It sounds kind of weird, but it's not that kind of party. Like, it's a good, wholesome party. They're waiting on the groom. Waiting on the groom to come and show up and right, wanting to be there when the groom comes. There's another parable about sheep and, and goats, which is about making sure you're taking care of God's people and the least of these. And then there's this one sandwiched in the middle, this parable of the, the talents, which Jesus is talking about not wasting your life. So while Jesus talks about something that has to do with, with uh, looking towards when Jesus is going to come back, which is one of his promises... He's also speaking of something that has to do with how we live our lives today and how we use what God has given us today. So I want you to notice what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14, the parable of the talents. Notice what Jesus says. He's talking about the kingdom of God, and he's talking about when, you know, this, this future day when Jesus comes back to make all things right. He says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. And so he starts off this parable by talking about giving these talents to his servants. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word talent, I think of skill. I think of ability, right? If you're a baseball fan, you think of a five-tool player, right? Willie Mays, five-tool player. He could hit for average. He could hit for power. He can run. He can throw. And he can catch. The Bible, when it talks about talents, though, it's not talking about skills or abilities. The Bible is talking about money. It's talking about the way that you would 
you would weigh money. So back in those days, you'd have a scale and you would bring your gold or your silver or your bronze or whatever the unit of measurement was, and you would weigh it against something else, and that's how they told, could tell how much it was worth. You know, because people could shave, and you know that stuff doesn't happen today, of course, right? But people, you know, could, could, that's where the term shaving, you know, money comes off from. Anyways, so they, they would weigh these things, and so depending on where you were, if you were in Israel or if you were in Babylon or whatever, it could be weighed differently. And so, but what's interesting though is a talent was thought to be about twenty years worth of laborer wages. It's a lot. So we're not talking about a little bit. He doesn't just toss them a couple, like you know, those little gold your kids get for Halloween, you know, here's five for you and two for you. We're talking about some serious cash. So just imagine somebody on average makes $50,000 a year. What's 20 years worth of wages? It's a million bucks. So to one guy, he gives $5 million. To the next person, he gives $2 million. And to the third, he gives $1 million. So I want you to see here, I don't know about you, but often when I read this parable, I, I get this picture in my mind that these are like these household servants, right? And he's just like, hey, watch my house while I'm gone. Well, it's more of an, a, an employer-employee relationship. These are investment bankers, basically. He says, here's $5 million. While I'm, on, while I'm gone on my journey, I want you to, to run my business. And so this is a big responsibility that he gives each of these people to, each of these people. They are stewarding millions of dollars of the, of the boss's money. Okay, so use that to frame your idea of what's going on here in this parable. And so I think there's something really important that Jesus is teaching us here. It's this, that God has entrusted us as stewards of everything he has. You know, God has entrusted you and he's entrusted me. He's entrusted all of us with stewards, as stewards of, of what he has. And those gifts, abilities, those things are very different, but they're beautiful and, and, and they're very rich. So, so I want, don't miss this. Everything you have, every gift, every ability, everything you have at your home, everything that exists in your possession was given to you by God. Now, sometimes that's hard for us to get our heads wrapped around because for some of us, we look and we say, well, I don't have much. You know, like, God, why haven't you given me more, right? Seriously. And some of us look and go, well, hold on a second. I worked hard for what I have. Like, I've worked long hours I went to school a long time. These degrees were expensive. And, and we tend to say, well, yeah, I realize, God, you gave me a baseline, but man, I really worked hard to get there. But I think what God wants us to see here is that everything, our gifts, our talents, our skills, our time, our gifts from him, because it helps round our perspective. The, the, lung, the breath in your lungs right now is a gift from God. And whether you're a believer or not, these are common mercies and common graces that God gives to us. And the reality is you can see some of these gifts better than others, right? For some, you can see the talent when they sing on stage. It's very beautiful. I might say angelic. I probably wouldn't go angelic that far. But, you know, very talented singers. For some, when they sing, dogs weep, right? Like, like you sing in the shower and the, and the mirror shatters, right? Like... It's not your gift, okay? But it's okay. For other people, I mean, when it just comes to money and numbers, you see numbers and spreadsheets and you're just a whiz. For some of you, when you have a calculator, all you do is turn it upside down and say hello, right? Like that's as far (laughs) as you get with the calculator. Like each of us have these different skills. And we like to say around here at Forefront, everybody's a 10. Like you're a 10 at something, but you got to figure out what that is. Like, you may not be a 10 at singing, you may not be a 10 at spreadsheets, but you're a 10 at something. And it could be encouragement, it could be writing, it could be hospitality, it could be a lot of things. 
Do you know what you're a 10 at? Because you are. So we have to, to, to learn to recognize what gifts we have. And we have to see that, that God has entrusted you with those gifts to be a steward of those gifts. Notice what Paul says in Colossians 3. I love this verse. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. You, you've, you've heard part of this before probably if you've been around church. It says this. Whatever you do, work what? Heartily as for the Lord and not for men. But verse 24 is, ties it together. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. And so like God has entrusted you with this beautiful thing, right? Gifts, abilities, could be money, could be a family, could be a lot of things. And he's saying, steward it well, because as you steward it well, there's going to be a reward for you someday. There's this biblical principle of rewards that sometimes don't make sense. So here's a question. If in your life right now, you may be feeling a little bit dry or a little bit low or a little bit like things, you just are wondering what matters. Could it be that you're just not seeing what you have as a gift from God? And could it be that you're just not seeing yourself as a steward? that it was given to you to share and to bless others. So notice, on to the story. He gives one guy five talents, another person two talents, and another one talent. And I want you to notice this here. It says, he does this, the master does, to each according to his ability. So here's a truth I think God has for us, that God entrusts us with gifts based on our gifts, based on our skills, based on our abilities. Now, one of the dangers we can face in this idea is that we, we begin to see what we have and we compare ourselves to others. Anybody ever done that before? This week, right? Like, the, the reality is like, we are comparison junkies. So we've got to be aware of this. We, we have a habit of like, looking at our gifts and saying, well, yeah, God, I see that I have this gift, but I want Darren's gift. I want Troy's gift. And, and so we start comparing ourselves to others, and then we end up getting down on ourselves. Or the opposite is true. We, we see that we're good at a gift. We look at somebody who's not gifted in the same way we are, and we allow that to build us up. We get puffed up. We get prideful. We start to say, well, God, that person, you know, too bad for them, right? But, but you know, for, for me, thank you. I just want you to notice in this. See, if you're the guy that God gave you two talents to, and you're wondering why God didn't give you five, and you start to ask, why is this fair to God? We, we miss the, the big picture. You know, not everybody's going to look like George Clooney, right? I mean, I wish, but not everybody's going to. Not everybody's going to act like Zoe Kravitz or play you know, lead guitar like Lenny. But the reality is God has gifted you with something beautiful and rich. You just have to understand what that is and be able to see that through the correct perspective. Otherwise, you're going to get pulled into this ugly comparison game every single time. So here's what I want you to see. Comparison will cause you to waste your opportunities, it's going to cause you to miss and, and to waste the opportunities that, that you've been given and that, that you have in, in your life. You know, any, anybody carrying around a phone right now in their pocket? What are, you, what are you going to do if you pull up Instagram right now, right? You see everybody's best day, always. How many of you have taken a family picture? Or you've taken a picture with buddies and, you know, you're out there and you're doing the little, you know, the little yeah. waist thing, Right? Or, you know, you're like B-boy stancing or whatever. And then you're like, ah, oh, that's not good enough. Take another one and take another one. And then after like 50 pictures, you're like, oh, that's the one. But the guy next to you is like zippers down and his fingers in his nose. Be like, post it. That's the one. Right? Like, we want to look good because we know we're going to be comparing ourselves against other people. I feel like every family photo that we've ever had 
It is a, a, a collection of me, like, yelling at the girls, telling them to, to, you know, look and wipe the snot bubbles off your face. And then all of a sudden, we get together just in time for a snap. And then it's like Christmas card photo, best, best Christmas ever, right? You're like, yeah, you don't realize that, like, Hallie just punched Emma, right? <laughs> Chloe's got, like, a broken ankle, you know? Like, it, it just, yeah. It, you guys know what I'm talking about. But yet, we put it out there, and everybody thinks, man, they got it together. You know what? They are just as jacked up as you are and just as checked up as I am. That's the reality. We have to realize that. We've got to stop comparing ourselves to others because it's going to cause us to waste our opportunities. Now, I want to sit on this idea of fairness for a second. Let's be real. It's a place to be honest. Has anybody ever thought to myself, God, it's just not fair? Nobody. Just me. <laughs> You guys are like, should I raise my hand for that? I'm not sure. I might get judged. Judge-free zone. Church should be a judge-free zone. Reality is, we've all done that, right? Like, God, it's just not fair. Like, we, you can say it in a lot of contexts. God, it's just not fair that that person has and, and, and I don't. God, it's just not fair that this person has this disability and they don't. But the ultimate idea is, like, we, we, we judge fairness based on, uh, do we all have the same thing? And I think when we look at God's word, we see that we're not robots, that God didn't make us all the same. And that God created a very diverse world where people have been given different talents, different abilities, and different skills. And good, it's good, too, right? If we all had the same thing, if we could all jump out of the gym, but none of us had the ability to, to, to work with numbers, then this world would be a mess, right? And so God has blessed each of us different ways. We see that God has a diverse world. So I think when we think of fairness, that's a man-made idea. We need to think of equality. Because the reality is God has blessed each of you equally. According to the world's standards, it may not look that way, but he has. And so we have to recognize that and realize that God has given each of us huge gifts. The guy with one talent still got a million dollars to invest. That's a ridiculous number. And so we have to see that God has called us to be good stewards of what he's given us. So here's my encouragement to you guys. Stop the comparison game. Fight comparing yourself to other people. Start looking and seeing what God has blessed you with and thank God for it and ask God to move in your heart because the king of heaven has blessed you with amazing abilities and gifts. And the point of this parable is not to, to, to talk about how much he has given you, but to challenge you on what you're doing with what he did give you. So notice here what happens. Notice what these three, uh, these three investors do with what God's given them. Verse 16. He who had received the five talents went at once, notice that word, went at once, and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five talents, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents, and here I had made five talents more. So the boss comes back, says he's been gone for a long time, and the guy that doubled his money first comes back and says, hey, boss, while you were out of town, we had a good season. Here, I was able to double your money. How many of you guys, when you got an A on your report card, your parents came home, what'd you do? You didn't ask for him to ask you if you got your report card? No, you zoomed straight into the, to the kitchen, right? Hey, look, mom, dad, got three A's. We've got three A's on a report card, you know? Can I go out to, to Chili's tonight or whatever, wherever your place was? Like, that, that's what this guy does. He's excited. He's fired up. He got, he got all A's. 
Notice what the master says. This is good. Verse 21. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Cool. Man, it's great. So what's he going to say to the second guy? Well, let's look. Verse 22. And he who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered me two talents, and here I have made two talents more. And notice what his master says. He says, well, you didn't do as good as the first guy, so, um, but thanks for trying, right? No, no, no. Notice what he says. Verse 23. He says the same thing. Don't miss that. This is huge. The same thing. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. Do you notice that? To one guy, he gets five. He doubles his money. He's got 10. To one guy, he gets two. He doubles his. He gets four. And the response is the same. Well done, good and faithful servant. You did good with a little. Now I'm going to give you more and come and enter the joy. He didn't praise the first guy any more than he did the second guy. Here's what God's showing us. While your ability may not be the same as yours, the blessing, the reward is the same. Notice this. God judges success by faithfulness, not fruitfulness. See, we tend to think God judges success by fruitfulness. Oh, man, I did all these things, or I didn't. Look at that guy over there, that girl over there. She is crushing it for God, and I'm not doing anything. And we get discouraged, we get down, we value ourselves based on that. And God's saying, no, with this parable, he's teaching us God is valuing success based on faithfulness. It's not how much you made, but on how faithful you were with what he gave to you. So uh, when I was in junior high, my dad gave me his baseball glove. Now, I've told you guys I'm a George Brett junkie. This was the glove George Brett played with. This was made in 1978. This is, I mean, I'm talking high-quality leather. It's the Wilson A2000. Now, it's a good glove. We played with this glove all the way. I still play softball with this thing. I mean, I am, I am digging grounders deep in the hole with it. I can't throw it anymore, but I can still I'm telling you, this glove is made so well. Now, you can go to Walmart or play it against sports, or Dick Sporting Goods, and you can, buy a, you can buy a baseball glove for 10 bucks, and it's going to last you maybe a season before all the webbing's busted, and it's going to get wet, and it's going to rot. Or you can get a really good glove that's going to last you a lifetime. There's a lot of companies out there that sell a lot of stuff, and you can say, wow, they're really profitable. Look at their profit margins. Yeah, but they're not making high-quality things. God wants us to be faithful. It's not about output. It's about input. Are you being faithful with what God has given you? Are you giving it your best? Are you using and making high-quality baseball gloves? Are you just all worried about the final numbers? God values faithfulness more than he does fruitfulness. So so God is teaching us here to stop valuing things based on the output, based on our fruit, but to start seeing how faithful we are and letting the results be up to him. And you guys might be wondering, well, this doesn't, I'm not that kind of person, but, but I think we all struggle with this. Because the reality is, how many of you guys have ever, say, gone to the gym, if, if you guys are workout warriors, you go to the gym and you see the guy that's super yoked, and you're like, well, I'm never going to work out and look like that guy, so why even try? And then you just kind of get demotivated and you stop going. Or if you're a runner, any runners in here, you guys are like, well, I'm never going to run a marathon, so, you know, why even try? And so, so we, we, we compare ourselves to somebody else, and we think, well, if I'm never going to go the full distance, then what's the point of even trying? I'm never going to be able to save enough for retirement, so I'm just going to spend it. I'm just going to do whatever I want, and then I'll work as a greeter at Walmart someday, right? And it's all going to be good. 
What would God say to that? God's going to say, be faithful with what you have. Don't worry about the fruitfulness. Leave that up to me. The reality is, when it comes to ministry work and paying it forward, God is the one that brings the results anyways. It's not based on my talent or my abilities or my skill. It's based on what the Lord does. And so God says, just be faithful. Be faithful with what I've given you. So I want you to ask yourself, is there a place in your life when you feel like you, you haven't been faithful? That God has given you something that you're gifted at and you feel like you haven't gone and used your abilities to the best of your abilities. God says, well done, good and faithful servant. He, there's two rewards here. He says, enter into the joy of your master, which means that God is pleased with you because you are faithful. There's a joy in knowing that God is joyful over you. And also that he says, God's going to give you more. If you are faithful with a little, God's going to bless you with more. So the first two are faithful. Notice the third one. Notice what it says in verse 24. It says, And he who also had received one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you go. Take what is yours. Here, have what is yours. See, I want you to see something here. Sometimes we think that the opposite of faith is doubt. I mean, anybody ever thought that before? Like, the opposite of faith is, is doubt. And so you get down on yourself because you have some doubts, but it, it's not that at all. God actually uses our doubt for good because when we have a doubt, it causes us to dive deeper. When we have a doubt, God wants us to, 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 dig, and to, to dig out the riches of his truth and his blessings and his, his realities. It's not doubt that's the opposite of faith. You see it right here. What is it? It's fear. Fear kept this man from investing his talent. Fear is what caused this guy to go deeper. Here's the reality. Fear will cause you not to waste your opportunities, but to miss them. The opportunities you have that God has given you, you will miss them because of fear. And typically, it's because of risk. Anytime investment is engaged, it, it has risk involved. But so does life. You know, and, so, and if we have fear, then we're going to not step out forward. The reason you didn't ask her out, or you ladies didn't ask him out, because you were afraid he was going to reject you. The reason you didn't apply for the promotion or that new job or leave that company that you felt it was time to go is because you were afraid you might not get the job or you were afraid you might not like the job or you were afraid you might lose some comfort or security if you did. We've all been there. It's a reality of life. And we don't step out of blind faith, but we cannot let fear cause us to miss our opportunities. And here's my guess. If you're reading this town, if you're reading this parable, here's my guess. The guy with the third talent who went and hit it in the ground, he probably thought he was being, he was doing a, uh, making a wise choice. He probably didn't think he was being sinful. He didn't think he was being lazy. I think he thought he had good intentions. He didn't want to lose the money. He didn't want to get fired. He didn't want to have bad situations. So instead he buried it and he gave it back to him. But there's a difference. How many of you know there's a difference between the sins of omission and commission? Somebody say omission. omission. So the sin of omission is doing something, is doing something, is not doing something I should have done. Somebody say commission. commission. The sin of commission is doing something I shouldn't. This guy just didn't do something he knew he should have. Sometimes Courtney will go out with the ladies and they'll go out and have, go to a movie night. And, you know, it's kind of the unwritten rule. If she goes out, I'm putting the kids to bed and I need to tidy up the house. And all, right? I mean, it's good stuff, right? The husband should do, right? When the ladies go out, we should, you know, not let the kids swing from the chandeliers and, 
you know. She comes home at like 10, and the kids are still up, and they're like, you know, having like uh, spray cheese can fights, and the house looks like it's been a kegger, and you know, of course, she's a little salty, and I'm understanding why. Because it was a sin of omission. I should have put the kids to bed at t- on time. Instead, I watched Jack, you know, Jack Ryan, season three, over and over again. Sins of omission versus commission. This is a sin of omission for this guy. He put it in the ground, and, and he missed it. See, this is the picture God gives us. And notice here, notice what the boss says. Verse 26, and the master said to him, you wicked and slothful servant. Ouch. Nobody ever called you wicked and slothful? Like, that's hardcore. Slothful, another word for that is lazy. So, you, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Verse 27, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. His fear caused him not to do anything, and, and he missed the opportunity. Now, I don't know about you guys. I don't know a whole lot of super slothy people, right? Like, I don't know a whole lot of slothfully lazy people, but I know, like, looking at my own life, and I'm assuming for you, it's easy to be selectively lazy, right? It's easy to say, I'm going to work really hard at my career, but be lazy with my faith. Or I'm going to work really hard with my hobbies, but be lazy with using my gifts to serve God in his church. Or I can be really busy finding comfort and security and really lazy with pointing other people to Jesus. And what happens then is we end up sitting on God's blessing rather than sharing it. This is what the man did. Can you imagine how he felt when he heard that? Like I'm sure his, his heart just sunk, it just into his stomach. Because he had good intentions. But we've heard before, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So, so notice what the master says. He says this in verse 28 as he rounds out the parable. Notice how it ends. So he says, so take the talents from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Well, that's messed up. Why does the guy with ten get his? For to everyone who has, more will be given, and to he, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast, listen to this, this is crazy. And cast the worthless servant out into, in, into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ultimately, he's saying this servant didn't care. He didn't believe. He didn't love. He didn't buy in, so he's not part of us. And and so I guess one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves is, what what does God want us to see from this? And God is saying, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with what God has given you? Are you wasting it or are you stewarding it well? Because everything we have is God's. Our time, our money, our talent, our bodies, everything we have is God's. So are we burying them in the ground? Are we using it on ourselves? Or are we being good stewards of what we have? And if you're here today, you're tuning in online, you might be wondering, well, how do I know? Well, I think here's a litmus test that we can, we can ask ourselves is this. What would Jesus say to us if he came back today? And we looked Jesus in his eyes, and we looked him face to face, and he, and he said to us, how did you steward what I had given you? What would you say? Would you say, Jesus, here's, you gave me five, here's five more. Look what I did. Or would you say, I was afraid. I buried it. And I'm sorry. Have we cared for those who needed protection? Have we provided for those in need? Have we served? Have we been generous? Have we told others about Jesus? Have we advanced the kingdom of God? Those are the things that Jesus cares about. 
because that's why he changed our lives so we could go and help change somebody else's. And so I think Jesus is saying is this, don't waste your life. Don't waste your money. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your opportunities because he has created you for so much more. In, in the late 1800s, there was a guy by the name of Charles Thomas Studd. He went by the name C.T. Studd. What a name, by the way, right? Like, you guys are looking to name a dog? C.T. Studd. Like, that's a, like a good bulldog name or like Siberian Husky, right? C.T. Studd. Well, Studd fell in love with the game cricket. You guys know what cricket is? It was like the precursor to baseball. They still play it in UK and in India and all over the world. Well, he wasn't the greatest athlete, but he had some skill. And so C.T. Studd invested hours using his abilities, honing them in so he could get better. And C.T. Studd eventually became great at cricket. He, he was uh, the captain of the team. He became known as the Michael Jordan of cricket, which is, be, you know, it's like, he's the Michael Jordan of ping pong, right? But the Michael Jordan of cricket, right? So this is like the best cricket player in, in the world. And you get all this notoriety. Some think today that he's the greatest cricket player to ever play the game. There's no debate. It's not Kobe, right? It's not LeBron. It's C.T. Studd, right? And, and, but, but here's what he noticed. He, he felt, he got saved, and then he, he, his brother got really sick, and his brother almost died. And then God miraculously healed his brother. And he thought to himself, I'm spending all my talent and my ability and my skill on this game but I need to be spending all my talent and ability and skill on helping other people find out about this amazing God who changes lives and changes hearts and changes futures. And so he, he decided that he was going to do something bigger. Notice what he says. He says, I know that cricket would not last and honor would not last and nothing in this world would last, but it was worthwhile living for the world to come. And so T.T. Studd left It'd be like LeBron leaving to go play baseball. Wait, that did happen, didn't it? Not LeBron, Michael Jordan. It'd be like that. Instead, he leaves and he goes and becomes a missionary in Africa, in India, in Africa. And notice this, in China, I mean. And notice this, on one of his tours, he says this to a group of students. He says, are you living for the day, like today? Or are you living for the life eternal? See, the reality is, guys, we're all investing we're investing ourselves into to what we, we think can bring comfort or security and happiness and peace. Or, or sometimes we've taken what God has given us and we've buried it because of fear or insecurity or the, the feeling that we don't feel valued. But we're all investing something forward. And, and what Jesus wants us to do is he wants us to ask the question, are we investing in the day, in today? Or are we investing in life eternal? in something that matters, it's bigger and more beautiful and richer than we can ever imagine. So I want to ask you, what about you? How are you investing what you've been given? See, some of you, you just need to go get the shovel. Because in the backyard of your life, you've taken what God has given you and the skills and ability and you've buried them. For whatever reason it is, it could have been fear or it's insecurity, but you need to go dig that back out. Because God gave you that gift to use to change your life and somebody else's. See, some of you, you've been using your gift just for the wrong thing. You've been using your gift for you. God says, we got it backwards. Because when we use it for him, there's actually a reward for us. And it's bigger than we can even imagine. So here's my challenge to you guys. Wherever the Lord is working on your heart today, whatever he's speaking to you about your gifts, your abilities, and your talents, 
Don't be crippled by fear. And don't be, be crippled by comparison. But get after the master's business. Get after God's kingdom business. And find something that God has entrusted you with and go and invest it forward. And maybe that means you're serving or you're giving or you're loving. But this week, find something that God has entrusted you with and invest it forward. Because God doesn't want you to bury it. You have the greatest treasure. He wants you to let it shine. C.T. Studd passed away in July of 1931. And can you imagine this man who gave up everything to go and tell people about Jesus? You know, when he closed his eyes for the last time and they opened up in heaven with God, you know what he heard from Jesus? He heard, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of heaven. And I pray those are the same words that you and I hear when we close our eyes for that last time too. Would you pray with me?